0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: Whether you watch movies to laugh, cry, or learn something new, when done well, films are capable of magic. And so many flicks accomplish that in 2023. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Reset. This year was a big one for movies, so we couldn't let 2023 finish without talking through the ones that hit it out the park and some that missed the mark. We talked with a panel of movie lovers. Brandon Pope is an anchor at CW26 and host of season four of WBEZ's Making Podcast. Mitchie Trota is a Hugo Award-winning editor and culture critic. And Cody Derricks is a seasonal manager at the Music Box Theater, as well as film critic for the website Next Best Picture. I started by asking for ballpark figures on how many movies the panel has seen this year.
2: Oh, gosh. This is like an absurdly sad number for me, given how much I love movies. I think I saw, I managed to see around 15 that's it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's just, that's, it's sad.
1: I mean, what's the number? What, what, is, the, what is the number that we expect? I would put the
0: number for? somewhere at 35 to 38. Yeah, see, that's where I normally I mean, would you, be. You
2: stay
1: at a preview. I you do, are always I at a movie preview, for sure. And I'm always jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Those Instagram stories are just. You can come with some time. Bumping. I mean, you've never invited me. You.
0: Wow. You've never invited me. Not you lying publicly
1: <laughs> on <laughs> national radio. Wow. <laughs> Cody, how many movies oh, have you seen?
0: I was
3: gonna say I either win or lose depending on how this number makes me seem. I just hit a hundred for
0: the year. Oh wow! What? Of wow. Just new releases. Wait, yeah. are you? So, so you watch props. everything? I do watch you're everything. You're not just talking about. You're not just
1: talking about going to the theater, right? You're talking about things that you've.
3: Those streamed? are all just releases from 2023. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Which, I don't know how many days in the year have passed. It's probably more than a hundred. So you've been to the movies
1: a hundred times?
3: I've seen a hundred movies in some capacity. Oh, wow. My.
1: I went back and I was searching my uh, email inbox to see how many, you know, AMC orders or regal orders I've made in the, the last year. I think I've been to eight movies this year hmm. um, and I've watched maybe another 10. So,
2: oh. Mitchie, not far off. I mean, my little overachieving heart is
1: just dying <laughs> over here. <so. laughs> I mean, well, what's your vibe? Are you a silver screen purist where you have to go and see it on the big screen at the theater with the popcorn or do you mostly stream at home?
2: You know, I used to be a big, like, must-see everything in the theater. Now it is, um, you know, in part in response to the pandemic, but also just sort of realizing that I don't need to see every single big thing on the screen. There is a particular vibe that I want. And also, money is tight. So yeah. uh, if I I'm going to spend the money to go, I want to go and know that it is going to be worth it or it's something that I really, really want to support and there's some where, you know, like I'm sure I think this is on all of our lists of one of the worst films. You just you would rather just sit at home where you can hit pause. You can turn to your <laughs> your companion and be like, why are we watching this? Yeah. Mm. And we'll get into some of those a little bit later.
1: <laughs> so we already know you're a silver screen purist.
0: in a sense. Brandon Pope. There's so many distractions, you know, when you're watching a movie. So at a theater, you're encouraged to just put the phone away and just lock in. Whereas if I'm at home. You know, phone pops up, the FaceTime, whatever. A rewind because I oh, missed something. they get up, go get something. Yeah, it's yeah. It, 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 it makes it tougher for me to consume a movie and really judge it fairly if I. Am not just fully locked in.
1: Because we wait for your Twitter reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I've,
0: I've heard.
3: I've we heard. wait. Uh, Cody, what about you? Ideally, I see a film in theaters, but oftentimes that's not possible, depending on release or how the screener is sent. But if possible, I would prefer on the big screen for mm-hmm. basically any type of movie.
1: For sure. It's the experience. Exactly. It's all about the experience. All right, let's get into some of your favorite films. You've each shared a few titles with us. So I'm going to start with you, Mitchie, and the blockbuster of the year. Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie.
2: Hi, Ken.
0: Uh, Hi, Ken. I mm. <laughs> Do I have to ask why that made
2: your list? Uh, you know what? Barbie is one of those films where it really—it's one of the two films this year that I saw where I was not expecting it to work, and it really really works why not why weren't you expecting it to work well i mean okay child of the 80s and as much as i was really looking forward to and enjoyed much of the wave of taking these things that we loved in childhood and adapting them adapting them to the big screen it doesn't always work and it does it particularly doesn't work if you have somebody at the helm, who doesn't really get the material, who isn't serious about doing it right, Mm. and doing it in a way that actually reflects what the meaning of this pop culture icon is. So Barbie for you was a pleasant surprise. It was a very pleasant surprise. Like, I will, you know, I'm gonna lay it all out on the table, say I don't think it was a groundbreaking feminist film. I think it was very basic feminism. But I had a friend point out to me, and I think she was actually really right about this, is that for me, it might be basic. For people who have been into these concepts and have been talking about them for a very long time, that's one thing. But what this film has done has made feminism accessible in a way Mm -hmm. that you don't have to be someone who is in any kind of movement or advocacy like I've had friends telling me that they've been able to talk to like their grandmothers, yeah, about it because Barbie is a generation-spanning thing. That's right. Yeah, I was and able now, to talk to my kids about it. Yeah, my teenagers about you, it. But. You can talk to it in a bunch of different ways, and also it was just funny. It did not take itself seriously, and refreshingly, it was humor not from a white cis male point of view. There were things in there that it'll, everybody will find funny. But if you've had a particular experience of being, this is again a very cis woman centric film. Um, but if you've had the experience of, Being identified as a woman in this culture, there were little in-jokes in there. And then if you collected the Barbies, which I didn't do, but even I could pick up on a couple of things, there were all sorts of Easter eggs sprinkled around. It was like watching... A comic book movie with a bunch of stereotypical male nerds (laughs) who are like, oh, I know what all this stuff is. And they expect the women around them not to get it. And we're like, dudes, we've been reading comic books. We just didn't read them around (laughs) It was was
1: super cute. I loved all the little nods to, you know, longtime
0: Barbie maniacs (laughs)
1: like myself. Did you see it, Brandon?
0: I loved it. I yeah. loved it. I mean, and for me, it's a little different because, like, I, I'm not a woman. Um, breaking news. And, <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Shocker. And I didn't know what to expect. I was, I'm not a Barbie fan. Shocking, right? Uh, but the film <gasps> was really, as you said, accessible. Um, had some great messaging, was fun, just really funny.
2: And those first opening 10 minutes, oh, like, had oh my me die. So funny. Yeah. The way that they were poking fun at some of the, um, Auteur, uh <laughs> films that, you know, f- wannabe filmmaker guys will
0: always talk about forever. <laughs> right. That
2: first 10 minutes with the monolith had me So funny. they had
0: some good messages though for men too. Like I I know the focus was, you know, the message for women, but like the Ken angle that was going on, and you know, just a Ken and the idea of toxic (laughs)
2: masculinity. You're Ken enough. You're Ken enough,
0: (laughs) yeah. And but like the idea of toxic masculinity and how men are built (laughs) Mm -hmm. up to not have emotions and this and that and hold things in. Doesn't
3: seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried, oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain, driving me insane, all my life been so polite, but I'll sleep alone tonight, cause I'm just kidding, anywhere else I'd be, is it my dad?
0: Like they unpacked so many things in that movie that I wasn't ready for. So I'm just sitting there in the Mm -hmm. theater, like, whoa. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, after we saw the success of that movie, Mattel said it plans uh, to make film adaptations for other products in its toy box, like a movie about Polly Pocket, directed by Lena Dunham. Uh, Actor Randall Park said that Hollywood is taking away the wrong lessons with Barbie, that uh, what people want isn't movies about toys, but movies by and about women. So, uh, Cody, I mean, what do you think it'll take uh, to get that message across?
3: Right. I was going to say it's about as... um optimistic and progressive as a movie that opens with a Mattel logo probably could be. (laughs) So in that sense, it is a huge accomplishment. But I do fear that they're just going to, like you said, take the idea that people want to see toys on screen. And it's not necessarily that. It's people want to see well-told stories on screen no matter what the origin of that story is.
1: Well, while I have you talking, Cody, we got to talk Oppenheimer. If we're going to talk about Barbie. Absolutely. Oppenheimer made your favorite (laughs) list of 2023. I mean, the diametric opposite Mm -hmm. of Barbie, but I mean, what is it about that film that really impressed you?
3: Yeah, the funny thing is that those movies will be forever linked, which I'm sure when either of those directors were making, Barbie or Oppenheimer, was not the expectation. (laughs) But Barbenheimer will live on long past those films have been out of theaters. Oppenheimer for me was just a slam dunk in almost every way. It was the kind of film that I wish Hollywood made more of, which it was a Thinking film disguised as a blockbuster, which isn't to say it's not entertaining because clearly lots of people went out to the, to the theater to see it explicitly in a theater. But it's a three hour long talky it's movie, long. mostly just men sitting in rooms having conversations. <laughs> and yet I could not look away from the screen. And
1: I could not bring myself to go see it. That's fair. <laughs> you missed it. I, so I, I saw it twice. Out. So I I'm got you
2: <laughs> You saw it twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you too, Vijay. I, you know, I, I uh, respect Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker. You know, I've en- I've enjoyed his stuff, but for me, um, if it was a cho- it was a choice to see Barbie or Oppenheimer in the movie theater, um, I was just crunched for time, and I chose to see Barbie because Oppenheimer is. It's not a story that I'm unfamiliar with, but and I'm sure that it was given a really really. Spectacular treatment, mm-hmm. but I am not interested in seeing stories about the lone male white genius who is forced to think of, you know, forced to reckon with the consequences mm-hmm. of this world-shattering discovery or innovation that he's made. I really would have rather t- want. I wanted to see that story told from the viewpoint of the people who were impacted mm-hmm. yeah, by the was... Manhattan Project. I wanted to yeah. see it from the viewpoint of Navajo Nation, whose lands and people were utterly wrecked by uranium mining. Uh, I wanted to see it from the point of view of the people of the Marshall Islands, whose mm-hmm. homes were pretty much destroyed as a result of nuclear testing. Yeah, The downwinders. Um, yeah, all lots of, of the critique people. about yeah. the
1: film not centering the victims uh, enough of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, bombings. Was that a blind spot of the filmmakers? You think, Brandon? I mean, what was the takeaway for you?
0: Yeah, I think I think it was a blind spot for sure, but it wasn't a glaring one in watching the film because mm. I think the film's overall focus and scope for me was kind of like a horror film about the dangers of man's hubris and and the dangers of. Men traditionally wielding all this power and the damage it, in, it inflicts upon not just people outwardly, but also people within their own lives. Um, so, in that sense, I, like, I'm a big Christopher Nolan Stan. I think this man's one of the greatest directors we've had. And this is probably his best film, if not one of the top three best films he's ever made. It's just, it's a thunderous film. The, so, you're with Cody on this. I, one. I, I mean, the cinematography, the acting. Oh my gosh, like Killian Murphy. Mm. <laughs> like, he, he killed it. RDJ, What he his performance. Like, I was blown away. It was so long, yet you're sucked in the entire time because of the, the acting performances, the script, the visuals. And it's a story we know already, but the way it's told, it's really a warning to America. Like, hey, this happened once. Here's a warning about what could happen if we keep entrusting all this power to people that they really shouldn't have that power. So I found that pretty moving. I think that was Nolan's overall message, but... I agree there should have been space there to address those who are impacted more by this. They do it a little bit in the film, but it's not nearly enough mm. that it really deserves. And that I think that's a good, good criticism. The other one I'd give of, of Nolan in general, his films overall, not very accessible. And so Barbie, we talked about, super accessible to a lot of people. This one, I have a lot of friends, they, they walked away from it thinking, I didn't get any of that. No, that's not good. You gotta do some homework. You gotta go to a little bit about what communism is, you know, and and understand what those words (laughs) They they throw a lot of words and terminology at you early in this film, and if you're not really, you know, up to speed on the Cold War, you you might get lost.
1: Let's get to one of your favorites then, Brandon. This is uh, John Wick 4 starring Keanu Reeves. Oh, man.
0: (laughs) So, you want to kill him?
3: you want to kill him i want to kill him (laughs) what about you mr Vic? i'm going to kill you
0: for better of course yeah (laughs) but it looks like we have ourselves a a genuine conundrum (laughs) a quandary if you will a real life dilemma (laughs) so I thought we play a game. One hand. Sevina decides who lives and who does not. (laughs) Oh, this is a total just dude thing. I just, John Wick (laughs) 4, we got to give credit to Keanu Reeves and what he's been able to do and just how he's been able to reinvent his career over and over and over. And the John Wick films have gone from a simple premise a man losing his dog and wanting revenge for it, to building out this expansive, captivating world. And what John Wick Four did is sort of a finale to the John Wick franchise. Some would say we'll see what happens next. Um, is it does a great neo noir vibe going on while also just adrenaline pumping thunderous action, nonstop. You can't even catch a breath. Wow. And that's what you want. That's in, a lot of action. It's That's what you want in an action film. and That's what you want in a theater experience. So when I walked away from John Wick 4, I'm like, this is what you pay money for. This is what gets people in seats. And I walked away thinking, I got to watch that again.
1: What was the best part of your interview with Keanu Reeves himself?
0: The, the coolest part about talking with Keanu Reeves about this film was how humble he was, but also just how... How much this character means to him. Um, The John Wick character itself is a is a character that doesn't have a lot of words, doesn't speak a lot, um, which is sort of the gag. But that's also Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is not a very public facing person, and not a guy that likes to talk very publicly a lot. That's kind of true. Part of that's because of their own internal trauma and things they've gone on uh, have gone in their life, um, very similar to his John Wick character. So. Being able to talk to him about
1: those parallels, those
0: parallels there, you really get to understand the portrayal he puts forward. It's deeper than just an action movie. Shoot him up. There's a lot of depth there too.
1: Mm. Cody, another movie that made your best list. Uh, this was from Wes Anderson,
3: Asteroid City. Yes, Wes Anderson, who is yeah. one of the more distinct voices in cinema today in terms of style, I'd say. Yeah. There are entire Instagram and TikTok pages devoted to aping his aesthetic. And this film. You know when it's a
0: Wes Anderson movie.
3: (laughs) More than almost any other director today. Oh, my gosh. Uh, One review said, quote,
1: in Asteroid City, uh, Anderson made a film that is really about Anderson being so good at what he does. He's just toying with us now. (laughs) You think that's true?
3: So I don't think he's. Above criticism. I know a lot of people just don't vibe with his style and I totally get it. It is distinct and therefore not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't loved all his films, especially some of his earlier output. But this movie to me really just surmises uh, his style in terms of how fiction has the power to affect us. The film really deconstructs the idea of what it means when fictional characters are communicating with each other and still able to move us as audiences. It's a, it's a really meta film that has layers of reality built into it. It's about a playwrights writing a play, and we see the play as if it is the movie, which sounds heady, but it does make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds like
0: Wes Anderson. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: Michi, another movie that resonated with you was the film Polite Society. Oh, absolutely. Well, what was this about?
2: So this was about, it's basically a, a f- sister's film. You have a teenage girl and her older sister who has Dropped out of art school and has come back home. They are a South Asian family living in London. And when the older sister decides that she's just going to let her parents arrange a marriage for her, the younger sisters is a beautifully rendered portrait of feral teenageness. <laughs> that is just she's like, no, no, this can't, you know, I can't I can't let my sister do this. She's making the wrong decision. And it goes into some very speculative fiction um, places, but it does so in a way that the speculative part, the martial arts part, is a bonus to what is a really lovely story about family and about growing up and about realizing w- when you have kind of put the formation of your own identity on somebody else. Mm. Wow. So why
1: should folks watch it?
2: I think they should watch it because the martial arts in this film are absolutely gorgeous. You have, there is an entire Bollywood fight scene. Oh, wow. uh, And it's with everybody's wearing, you know, the really colorful, beautiful saris and uh, formal wear. So while there's fighting, there's so much movement. It feels a lot like a classic Hong Kong martial arts film where it's we not just the We need more Bollywood fight scenes. It's, it's color Who and can I movement. Call? <laughs> 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 this And uh, just the acting in it is so good. I forgot the name of the actress, but she plays the villain in Polite Society. She is also the villain in the *Miss Marvel series. Oh. And she is, I just need to see a film see where she goes up against Shahore Shohor, uh, Agdushlu. I want the two of them to be the opposing forces in a fantasy sci-fi i don't care some kind of like succession type film where they are going up against each other. Nayra Busha?
1: Yes. That's the name of the uh, the actress.
2: I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh she's just oozing villainy in a way that is just absolutely delightful. Wow, that's You're awesome. selling me. Yeah, right? Yeah. The uh, mars- martial arts, speculative fiction. There's they do a twist on body horror and autonomy for a uh, Bodily autonomy for uh, people who have a uterus. That was something I was not expecting that to come out, but it, it's actually a major reveal plot point mm. uh, further dun, dun, dun. on. Like, ooh, these are things again that you are getting from a perspective that does not get a lot of play in Hollywood. Mm. And the writer for the, uh, the, I believe the writer for director for the film was also the creator for Lady Parts, the TV series. Mm.
1: Before the break, we got into the Barbie Oppenheimer double feature, of course, but uh, why don't we jump right back in, folks, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Mitchie, let's talk about the movies that you loved, but maybe didn't resonate with a mass audience, right? There were two that were on your list that fit this exact category. I'm going to start with the most recent one, which is uh, The Marvels. This is the the latest from. Oh, you're getting a gasp from Brandon. Save your thoughts, Brandon. <laughs> oh, no, I want to know. know. Let, well, me, I fin- really let know. me finish the question, buddy. Uh, this is the latest from Disney's Marvel Universe. It uh, it features the characters Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo, and Miss Marvel or Kamala Khan. So, what did you love about it?
2: It was fun. I haven't had this much fun at a Marvel movie in Lord knows how long. I mean. You know, it just, it was the movie made for comic book fans, particularly, I think, this newer generation, the Gen Z, millennials, fandom, what happens when you actually meet your idols. Um, Kamala Khan was just the absolute shining star and the heart mm. of the film. She was adorable. I totally bought every second of it. I need a seven-minute short, like, you know, they do these with the Marvels, with different Marvel characters, of her family having Nick Fury over for dinner.
1: <laughs> I
2: need this 100%. <laughs> so, But
1: but the, the Marvels, it didn't see the success of other big blockbusters in the franchise. And I know you gasped earlier, Brandon, but, I mean, did you notice that, too? Like, it didn't reach, like, Black Panther or... Avengers level of success, but I mean, did that matter? Is there maybe Marvel fatigue?
0: You about to get me started. I love oh. the Marvels. I love it so much, and I think it was the victim of a just weird tsunami of so many things. One, the obvious thing, uh, misogyny. <laughs> I mean, the, the, <laughs> there are pe- there. I mean, people hate to say it, but there are people that see a women-led superhero film with two of those women being women of color, and they get in their whole. Oh MCU type of thing. Oh, I get, think I'm remembering oh, your tweet about this right I now. Heard yeah. this. Go off, Brandon. It frustrates me to no end because yeah. they don't even give the film a chance. Yeah, and so that's one reason. Second reason, we had a historic actors and writers strike. the 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 mm-hmm. big shining thing about this film is the cast, the trio, yeah. and their chemistry, especially Amon Valani. You want her on a press tour. <laughs> you, you want <laughs> the, the girl that plays Kamala Khan. You want her to be able to show that personality. She couldn't do it. So that hurt as well. And then I just think Disney Plus, uh, I think families have gotten used to Disney releases. They're going to be able to watch them on Disney Plus in 60 days, maybe 45 days, maybe 90. But like for a lot of families with the economy the way it is, Mm -hmm. they're thinking about you got to take a bunch of kids to a movie theater. Well, we could just watch a lot of money. We're already paying monthly for Disney Plus. I mean, that's what my family's doing. I had people in my family, they didn't go see the Marvels because they know that in 90 days they can just sit back and watch it at home. Mm. So that's really what I think a big part of it is streaming windows, misogyny, historic actors and writers strike. strike. I think it's unfair because Nia DaCosta did a great job with this film. And yeah. I feel like Disney is doing a terrible job. They're really scapegoating her right now and putting her. She as had
2: the highest opening film for a black woman director black woman. ever. And they're mm-hmm. just
0: scapegoating her and putting out a new, salacious, un- unsubstantiated, like thing every other day about her is just not right. She does not deserve that.
1: Cody, what do you think? Did you see the Marvels? Got me
0: fired up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on this 100%.
0: Unfortunately,
3: I did not see the (laughs) Marvels. I am... The MCU is not my thing in general. We were on a roll, Cody. I know. I'm sorry to be the combo breaker. Jeez, The MCU is not my thing in general, but I did love Nyatakasa's Candyman so much. mm. Um, I just had enough people I trust who said the Marvels wasn't really worth my time and not being into the MCU in general, I did not check it out, but hearing both your words on the movie, I'm definitely going to check it out. you for that. You need to at this
1: point.
2: They uh, didn't have a Bollywood fight number, but they had a se- This is as close as you yeah. could get to a Bollywood number in a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. The unexpected musical moment. And they, the fact that they had a rationalization for this, like, no, singing's their language, and we have to speak their language. I'm mm. like, I am here
1: for this. So good. Also, <laughs> the cats. So here. I love this. The, the cats
0: were also great. I, I really. All right,
1: well, that. Cody, we'll we'll get to uh, one of your favorites <laughs> in a second. But Fired up. before we do that, Cody, <laughs> I'm going to stick with with the Marvel comic realm for another moment. Brandon and Mitchy one movie fell on both of your lists for the the best things that you saw this year, and that's the animated film Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I loved this, too. I really mm. did. Mm. Uh, my daughters absolutely adored this one. I mean, you just watched it, though, Mitchie. You, you were You morning. were kind of late. Literally this, this morning.
2: morning.
1: Oh,
0: my gosh. <gasps> yeah. And it's already on your faves? That's, that's great.
2: Yeah. Uh, artistically... So I mean, it like, lived she, up to the hype. Yes, it lived up to the hype, and I think it is something... That's providing a very fresh perspective on I think the Marvel fatigue thing is real Mm. um, because Marvel is getting very formulaic. I mean, they've been formulaic from the beginning and it's in a way where it's like, oh, my God, we have another film. We're about another white guy who is kind of a playboy and has to learn (laughs) responsibility, (laughs) yada, yada, yada. CGI fight. Has to learn responsibility. This is beautiful. It is a piece of art, of visual art. It is the closest that I have seen to translating the comic book format and feel onto the big screen into a movie. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah. It
0: really is. The colors. The, mm-hmm. There are so many frames you can just freeze frame and hang on your wall. It's just such yeah, a— n-
1: Nothing else looks like it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. It was absolutely gorgeous A to visual watch.
0: treat. But also, you mentioned your daughters love it. You mm-hmm. love it too. Yeah. It's, it's a cross-generational appeal type of film. And they
1: kind of had to twist my arm a little bit yeah. before we went. And then afterwards, we couldn't stop talking about it on the drive home. Just bringing up different parts.
2: Okay. Miles' grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And AP Studio Art. <laughs> he takes after his uncle. A minus in English.
0: She's a tough grader. And a B in Spanish.
2: What? Ooh, okay. M-
1: Miles. Are you trying to tell my fault.
0: ¿Qué eso que fault? Tú estás
1: tomando clase en I just missed a few classes. Oh, just a few classes. Well, what's a few? I mean, you know, like... Five? Five? Five! Actually, 6
0: Good dad So many of us can relate to what Maz Morales in this film goes through. That sense of, who am I in this world? The sense of not having belonging, but also a sense of people in your life trying to dictate what your life should be, mm-hmm. whether it's parents or family or whatever, or in this case, a multiverse that says only a Spider-Man should be this way. Also, in a time where we have all these multiverse stories... This is how you do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, you make right. it character well, driven. Okay, well, gang-
1: <clears throat> uh, Cody.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> did, did you did you watch it? Hot seat. I'm just sitting here nicely. <laughs> I did watch it, and I really liked yes. it. I really did like Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right, we have oh a people. Yeah. yeah. I really liked it. I my main takeaway from it is that, to your point, I think it has genuinely the greatest animated effects. In film history, it's one of the Mm -hmm. most impressive looking animated films I've ever seen in my entire life. I do think some of the in-jokes and references around the second act or so of the movie personally wore me down, again, as somebody who's not into the comic book MCU world. I know this is not technically an MCU movie, but, you know. yeah, That wore down on me a little bit, and it didn't quite charm me. Yeah, that's valid. It is a visual feast. It looks incredible.
1: Okay, so for Cody's benefit, we're going to turn from superhero movies now. Uh, maybe uh, get a recommendation for a good drama. I hear you recommended the movie Past Lives. Yes, it's about yes, uh, Celine Seal. Uh, C- yeah, it's Song. about two childhood friends in Korea who uh, they're torn apart, then they reunite as adults in New York. Uh, give us the pitch. I mean, why'd you love it?
3: Oh, it's just absolutely heart-wrenching. And I say that not in a way that's going to make you cry in despair. It is uplifting at the same time. You know, I, I had I was lucky enough to get to see this at Sundance at its premiere, and even in a room of mean, cold critics in January at 10 a.m., <laughs> people were, there were sniffles at the end, I swear to God. It was, it really is just a triumphant first feature, which is even more mm. incredible. This is this yeah. director's first film.
1: Is it a good date night option, or nah?
3: I think... So as long as you're willing to have some pretty heady discussions afterwards about the nature of love and misconnections. Ooh,
2: He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. And then he was just this image on my laptop. And now he is a physical person. It's really intense, but I don't think that that's attraction. I think I just missed him a lot. I think I miss soul.
3: Did he miss you?
2: I think you missed the 12-year-old crybaby he knew a long time ago.
0: You were a crybaby?
2: Yeah. Most of the time, he'd have to just stand there and watch me.
1: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the best movies that we watched in 2023. And our guests today are Cody Derricks with the Music Box Theater, Brandon Pope with CW26, and culture writer and editor Michi Troda. Okay, so if we talk about the good, we got to talk about the bad, right gang? So the films that uh, just were either overhyped or maybe just fell totally flat. Now, Mitchie and Cody, one movie that had the misfortune of landing on both of your worst films of 2023 list, Ghosted, an action (laughs) comedy that stars Ana de Armas and Chris Evans.
3: From the good people at Apple TV, <laughs> <laughs> which has a good record usually. They won
0: Best Picture a few years ago, yeah. so what can I say? I mean, did you see this too? Is it on your worst yeah, list? Yeah, it, it could have made the worst. So it, maybe you you all hated
1: this movie? Okay, let's go down the down the line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mitchy, let's start with you.
2: You know, I wish I could say I can I can give them credit for trying to do a a bit of a gender flip on the whole spy and. Innocent crush who gets caught up in everything, but it was way over the top without any kind of grounding or characterization. I mean, Chris Evans and Anna de Armas were really working with what they with what they had, which was very, very, very little. <laughs> um, Adrian Brody was apparently just told to eat every piece of scenery uh, he could get his hands on, which he uh, definitely did. I can't even really remember the plot, other than <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, no, it's the one like Chris Evans, what runs into Anna De Armas character. They have a one night stand. He does the thing where he starts texting her all the time, and she quote unquote ghosts him. I'm using the air quotes, <laughs> and it turns out she's a spy. Oh, so he goes, he does the thing where it's like, oh, you know, the girl usually goes and does the. I'm gonna go track him down and show up and be like, hey, like, uh, you know. When you are flipping genders, there are dynamics you have to be aware of. This is a little stalkery. I mean, it's always been kind of stalkery, but now it's really stalkery. And he gets caught up in things and somehow by the end of it, manages to hold his own against another super spy and is at least able to not get himself killed. Yeah. I just... Okay, yeah,
1: you've convinced
2: me. I'm not seeing it. Please um, don't. Okay. Listen, <laughs> not sober
1: anyway. Listen, it's been a high and low year for movies, but I want to look ahead before I let you folks go. Looking ahead to 2024, what film would you say you're just itching to watch in the new year? Brandon?
0: Oof. Come back to me.
1: All right, Cody.
3: Well, it seems obvious, but I really can't wait for Dune Part Two, which is ah. supposed to come out this year. Mm. Um, uh-oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about you, Miji Uh I am actually looking forward to the second, uh, to the uh, Beyond the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a good, one. That's a good uh, I, one. okay. Mine is Deadpool three. Yes. Oh that's mine too. I'm stealing that. Yeah. That's mine. You can take it. It's mine first. We'll share it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, that is Brandon Pope, host and anchor with CW26, Mitchie Trota, an award-winning editor and narrative expert, and Cody Derricks, a seasonal manager at the Music Box Theater, as well as film critic for the website Next Best Picture. Thank you all so much for adding new titles and some titles I'll stay away from Mm -hmm. (laughs) for my watch list. (laughs) Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode. It was produced by Meha Ahmed and edited by Linnea Dominic and Brenda Ruiz. If you liked this episode, rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps us reach more listeners like you. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll speak again tomorrow.